Good morning. All right, and for those of you who remember when we were here before, this is going to come as a surprise to you, but it's a beautiful day in Pennsylvania. See? You'd have left here feeling a little bit deprived if I hadn't said that, right? Greetings. We bring greetings from our family. Uh, We have with us good friends, Bud and Denise Vogel. Uh, They are retired less than we are. Uh, They retired last month from the Nantiglow Alliance Church, and they've been good friends for years now. Our daughter and their son grew up together at Edinburgh Camp and Toccoa Falls College. And so we didn't find out about that until probably, what, four years ago, three years ago, when finally Sherry looked at Denise and said, you're Wes's mom. And Denise looked at Sherry and said, you're Nikki's mom. So we enjoy having them here with us this morning. Trust you'll make them feel welcome. Let me just catch you up to date a little bit. Um, We left here, as John said, in 2006, and no, we are not prodigals, regardless of what he said. Um, We were at Latrobe 11 and a half years. I went in there uh, anticipating a building program uh, last May uh, 2017. We dedicated the new building. It only took us 11 years to get there. Hallelujah. And uh, so we were very happy with that. And um, so we left a a good congregation. They now have a a new pastor, and I've met him, talked with him. He's a great guy. So they're in good hands. Our daughter, Nick, she now has three children. Uh, If you ever have seen her on Facebook, you know that we have Xander, a teenager, (sighs) with all that entails. Caden, who is uh, seven. Seven? Caden, thank you. And our little Princess Noel, who is two and a half. And uh, we now have a little more time to go down and see them. And our son Dave is a freelance musician in the Philadelphia area. I have a picture of him if you'd like to see it afterwards. I didn't put it up on the screen. He also um, is part-time at his church, and he runs his recording studio. They're living in media, uh, he and his wife Christine. So... That's what's happened in the last 12 years. How about you? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I want to talk this morning about the end result. The end result of what? Well, the end result of why we're here. I mean, not just here, here, but why we're on this earth to begin with. What is the end result? Well, The Westminster Shorter Catechism tells us that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, that's all well and good, but we need to have some definitions in here, like what does glorify mean? And you know in your own minds what that might entail. What does enjoy mean? We had dinner with uh, Bud and Denise last night. We had omelets at noon with the nestas and we enjoyed every minute of that i want to tell you but how do we enjoy god we heard last summer at mahaffey camp ah that's the other camp we enjoyed our time at edinburgh so much but we heard from uh reverend terry smith who was 
formerly uh, the district superintendent for the Eastern Pennsylvania District, and then was appointed uh, vice president of church ministries at the national office in Colorado Springs. And um, he reminded us that the CNMA is a deeper life movement. If you're here and you're a believer, it's because you want to go deeper with God. You want to experience the deeper life, the sanctification of the believer. I, I wish I could say that all Protestant churches are the same, but I was talking with a pastor uh, in our district last week, and he had pastored in another denomination, and he knew his time was short when on his first Sunday, a fellow came up to him afterwards and said, um, I just wanted you to know right now, I'm leaving the church. He said, Why? He said, I knew I was in the wrong church when you started your sermon with, please open your Bibles. So we are here to experience and to grow in the deeper life. But you see, when Reverend Terry Smith was talking to us, he reminded us that, yes, God loves us just the way we are. We come here with no uh, airs or... Uh, facades. We come here because God has called us here. But, this is the deeper life part, God loves us too much for us to remain the way we are. He wants us to grow. He wants us to get to know Him better, to follow Him more faithfully, to be stronger in our faith, especially in the midst of the attacks that we experience each and every day. So here there's no cruise control Christianity. There's no easy believism in God's plan for salvation. But this morning, I would like us to examine what I believe to be a third aspect of the chief end of man. The end result. And I'd like us to take our Bibles or your devices Yes, I understand that many of you have uh, Bibles loaded on your devices. I will not suspect you of texting or viewing YouTube unless I hear a giggle. You know, you're looking at your Bible application, all of a sudden I hear, (laughs) you know, that YouTube video of the kitty cat playing the piano. Um, Or I hear a, yes! Okay, which means you're watching the game. I don't know what game, but okay. If I don't see that, then I'm assuming you're on your Bible app. We're looking at Luke chapter 10 and starting in verse 38. Sorry, verse 36. No, it was 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed Mary has chosen what is better, 
and it will not be taken away from her. Let's look to the Lord. Father, we thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that as originally given, your word is inerrant. Your word is the only guide for living in this world for the believer and is complete in every way. So, Father, as we look into your word this morning, we ask that not only would your word teach us, but also your Holy Spirit might minister to our hearts, to our minds, to our spirits. Lord, that we would leave here more solidly convinced than ever before of your goodness, your love, your mercy, and your sovereignty over all of us. And for this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Mary and Martha, well-known sisters in the Gospels. You might call them the original sister act. Uh, you know, it's a funny thing. I don't know how many of you know the international worker, David Kindervater. He ministers in Japan. And over there, sister act has really caught on. And so many of the Japanese want to sing black gospel music. If you can imagine Japanese with their very... Uh, light-colored faces and their straight black hair and small stature, singing and swaying to, oh, happy day, and, and songs like that in great gospel harmony. Uh, David was at Mahaffey this summer, and he took the entire ladies' rally and divided them up into three groups and had them singing a gospel song in three parts. And it was uh, pretty cool. And some of them even got the swaying. (laughs) Nobody got the clapping on the offbeat. Nope, 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 just a little little too too light-colored for that. So here we are. We've got Mary and Martha. Actually, studies in contrast here. Because Martha, Martha, the task-driven, self-sacrificing, caring about the needs of her guests, was intent on making sure that everything was right. All the silver was polished. All the napkins in the... Napkins? What? Oh, I'm sorry. All the napkins in the right places. I'm going to do this once or twice more. Making sure that all the details were in place. Mary, her beloved sister, plunked herself down at the feet of Jesus and sat there gazing into his face, drinking in every word that he said. Martha was a little bit upset. She said, Lord, tell her to help me with these preparations. Jesus said, she's chosen the better way. Don't take that away from her. Now, if we jump back a chapter to Luke 9, we will see that Jesus accomplished far and away greater preparations than Martha was attending to when he fed the 5,000. And he fed 5,000 with five loaves, two fishes, and everybody was filled. And did he fret the preparations? No. Mary might have known that. Mary might have said, you know what? If we're going to have a meal, Jesus can do it. 
So I'm just going to sit here and enjoy his presence. Martha chose to show her love by her service. Mary showed her love by enjoying his presence. So this morning we want to take this and look a little bit closer into love. What love is, what love isn't. Because I think there are some good lessons in here and through other scriptures that we'll be looking at as we uh, continue on. I enjoyed the, uh, the song, and I'm not even familiar with the title of it, but it was the uh, Fierce, Fierce Love. Fits in perfectly. Because I want to just synopsize an article that showed up in the Alliance Life magazine back in the July-August edition of this year. It was written by Steve Lazell. Steve is a, uh, a teacher for Nyack College and the Alliance Theological Seminary Extension programs in Puerto Rico. Now, if you remember Puerto Rico, they got hit very hard by a hurricane. And he had some observations on this, the effects of this hurricane and learn some lessons about love as a result of this. These comments are to believers, to Christians. And the first point he makes is that love is not natural. What? We love everybody. But love is not a natural response for the human being. Why? Because of our sin nature. Love is not a natural response. He said Puerto Rico's population's natural response to the hurricane and the devastation was not love. It was survival, looting, more destruction until the order could be restored. It wasn't loving at all. Where the love was coming from, where the compassion was coming from in that devastation was from the churches, from the believers who banded together and opened uh, church buildings for refuge, provided needed supplies for people. That's where the love came from. We also feel that in our, in our world that uh, there are loves that are stronger than others. For instance, we always refer to a mother's love. And I acknowledge that a mother's love is very strong. But even that isn't actually a natural response for the natural person. I believe that mother's love stems from God's image in which we are created. Mother's love is an extension of God's love through us. However, there are times when a mother's love shines very dimly and perhaps not at all because of the buildup of sin in a person's life. And so we see all the instances that make it into the news of abuses, atrocities, and neglect. We find that God's image in a person, even a newborn person, can be distorted by the mother's sin. We still remember the the crack babies that are born with addictions, courtesy of the mother. Even the world's idea of love is largely romantic, and not in involving feelings, not the love of Christ. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4, we won't turn to it, but 
there's a synopsis here that kind of tells us what the natural way is and what God's way is. And Paul says, you can't keep on living like Gentiles. You can't follow their ways and profess Christ. You can't lose all sensitivity, which happens when sin builds up in us. You can't harden your heart, as happens so many times as we go through life's challenges. Paul says you must change your attitude and change your state of mind as to what loving really is. And so do away with actions that set up barriers between us. Do away with actions that set up differences, fights and struggles and tensions. Do away with actions that keep us from loving the people around us. Flee those and enter into God's love. Love is not natural. Love is not optional for the believer, point two. Love is not optional for the believer. If you'll turn back in your Bible, it's just a, a little ways to Matthew 22 and verses 37 and 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus put it in this way, it was, if you love me, if you truly love me and want to obey my commands, this is the big one. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. It's not optional. It's not something that we can choose to do or choose not to do. In Deuteronomy 6, which is where this is taken from, Deuteronomy 6 tells us that do you remember? Shema Yisrael. Some of you do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, the funny thing is that he's commanding us to love. Commanding us as believers to love. Now, if love is just a romantic feeling... If love is just a, an emotion, how can you command an emotion? You can't. Love is an act of the will. It's a decision that we make. And then we act in accordance with that decision. And we act to put another's well-being ahead of us. Love is not natural. Love is not optional for the believer. And love is not about meeting needs either. Not about meeting needs. If we look at Philippians and uh, chapter 4 and verses 10 through 12. 
I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had not no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Your love for me was not to meet my needs. Your love for me was demonstrating to God your care for someone else. It's not about meeting needs. God loved Paul whether he was in want or in plenty. God loved Paul whether he was uh, content in in a, a bad situation or a good situation. He knows what it is to be in need. He knows what it is to have plenty. And yet God loved him through it all. It's the same here. Love is not about meeting the needs of the person. It doesn't require meeting the needs of that person, but love does require ministering to them in a more godlike way. How is the godlike way? For that, we turn back to 1 Corinthians 13. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the very beginning of the chapter, we read, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains and have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's not so much about what we do. It's the attitude and the spirit in which we do it. When we have true agape love, putting the needs of others, putting the well-being of others ahead of our own. I didn't mean to say needs, but putting the well-being of someone else ahead of our own. That and that alone should be our motivation for action. And finally, Steve writes, love that God desires to share is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And this is why we kept saying it's not natural. Remember, the natural tendency of man is towards sin. But with the empowering of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer, we now have the opportunity to love the way God loves, to love with the love that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. And this brings us to our conclusion that... This love is the most important thing. Remember, love is mentioned as fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace from Galatians 5. 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. God is the source of all love. That's why we said that the image of God implanted in us when we were formed, provides for us that starter kit for love. But if we allow sin to cover that up, if we allow uh, our, our, our actions to have 
negative consequences on that image of God, it becomes distorted, it becomes dim, and the love is not allowed to show through. In Philippians 2.13, Paul writes that it is God who works in you, God who works in you, the believer, by the Holy Spirit. And so when we take all this into account and recognize that the love that we are being commanded to show God and to show our neighbors is a supernatural, beyond our ability type of love, what is the end result in pursuing this love of God? For that, we turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. You're probably familiar with Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All things work together for good to those that love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. But in verse 29, we read this. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Be conformed to the image of his son. As we demonstrate God's love through us, we find that God is at work in us. You ever hear the phrase, a diamond in the rough? Yeah, yeah, that's what we all are. Diamond in the rough. And as we allow God's love to work in us and through us, it's just as if God has his little hammer and chisel on our hearts, chipping off that rough edge. Chipping off that rough edge. And remember, these rough edges are the natural in us. We like those rough edges, but God doesn't. And so he's continuing to chip away at them. Why? To be conformed to the image of his son. Steve ends with this phrase, which I love. The goal of the trials and the testing of life. Not just to get the job done, like Martha. But the goal is to be more loving and more Christ-like, like Mary, enjoying him forever. There are some things that, as we look at this, we need to consider our motivations. You see, this morning, we talked about love, and we talked about um, how love is not natural and so on, but... Without love, there are other things that motivate us. And there are times when we may be in a situation where our motivation is not entirely Christ-like. Where our motivation is something other than that. So for these last few moments together, I'd like to consider how our motivations produce an end result. But it may not be what we imagined or expected. When we consider Martha, we see that her motivation 
was the obligation she felt to her guests, the obligation she felt to um, present her family and her uh, ministry to the guests in the best possible light. Many of us are motivated by obligation. Unfortunately, as we saw with Martha, the end result of being motivated by obligation is oftentimes bitterness of soul. Why can't she help me? When we act out of obligation, we tend to get bitter. When we act out of self-advancement, this is going to earn me another uh, bonus in my paycheck. This is going to uh, advance me in the eyes of the boss. This is going to enhance my standing in the community. This is going to help me. When we act out of that motivation, the end result is pride. And pride is the sin that brought mankind down. I'm sure this doesn't apply to anyone here, but some people are motivated by money, by the anticipation of financial gain, whether it be legal or moral or otherwise. Unfortunately, when money becomes our obligation, remember the love of money is the root of all evil, then we find the end result of that to be greed. We want more. John D. Rockefeller was once asked, how much money is enough? He said, just one more dollar. Just one more dollar. It's that greed factor. When we are motivated by power and the exercising of that power over another person, over another uh, group of people, that oftentimes leads to corruption, where that power becomes corrupted and corrupts the power holder. Unfortunately, there are times when we are motivated by hatred. My motivation for doing this is because I can't stand that other person. What happens when we are motivated by hatred is that we get a hard heart, a heart that cannot love, a heart that cannot be molded by God, a heart that is like stone. But my friends, there's hope in this message. There's hope because when we are motivated by love, the agape love of Jesus Christ poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, when we are motivated by love, we find that that end result of that love is more love. I sat in a Sunday school class for high school students back when I was one. Yes, they had classes back then. Yes. And the uh, teacher of the class, a uh, gym instructor at the high school, had just had a surprise baby. He and his wife were surprised with a third child after having become very firmly established with the first two. And all of a sudden, this third child came into the picture And he said, I wasn't sure if I would be able to love this third child, but he found his love expanded to include that third child as his own, just as he had the first two. When we 
are motivated by love, we find our love to be expanding and to be able to encompass even more. And we find that when we are motivated by love, we become more and more conformed to the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. My friends, we would like to all think that we are motivated by love in each and every endeavor. But if we would just pause and not not do a self-examination, but rather open our hearts to allow the Lord to examine our hearts, we may find that some of our motivations have been by other than love. But as we allow God's love to be poured out on us and to permeate our being, we will not only be conformed to the image of his Son, but we will advance his kingdom until Christ returns in glory. Amen? Let us pray. Father God, we don't like to be jolted out of our comfort zone. We don't like to do things that aren't natural to us. We shy away from any, anything that is uncertain or unknown. And yet, Father, as we look into your word and as, as we have looked into it today, we have seen that there are certain things that we really need to focus on. And they will take us through every situation, whether familiar or unfamiliar, whether out of our comfort zone or smack dab in the middle of it. And one of those is our motivation. Father God, I pray for each of us here today that we would desire the end result and that would be being conformed to the image of God's Son, motivated by love, reaching out to others with the love of God through Christ Jesus. Lord, touch our hearts today. Speak to us. May your searchlight of love upon our hearts reveal to us those places which stand in the way of us walking in the deeper life and walking in the love of Jesus Christ. Father, for what you're doing in hearts right now, but for what you will be doing in the days, weeks, and months to come, we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.